It has probably been a while since most of us were in a classroom, at least as students. So I'd like for you to think back to some time in your school days, fifth grade, high school, college, whenever, where you had a question. There was something you really wanted to know. It could have been about the term paper requirements. It could have been about the date of the field trip. It could have been that square of the hypotenuse thing. But whatever it was, you really wanted to know, but you were afraid to ask the question. You were afraid that maybe the teacher would think less of you or the class might snicker at your cluelessness. And so while you sat there dithering about whether or not to ask the question, lo and behold, the smartest kid in the class raises his hand, okay, her hand, and asks the very same question that you did. Now, when that happens, there's a, a brief moment of regret or self-loathing that you didn't ask the question yourself, but then there's a sense of relief. Hey, it's not bad. What I wanted to know, I now know, and I didn't have to risk the possible embarrassment by asking a question. There's also a sense of inclusion. I'm not the only one that wanted to know what I wanted to know. Even the smartest kid in the class wanted to know the same thing. And there's also a sense of permission. It was okay for the smartest kid in the class to ask. The teacher didn't chastise that student. The student wasn't punished by the principal, nor mocked by the class. Well, John the Baptist is the smartest kid in the class. Jesus says, among those born of women, there is none like John the Baptist. He and Jesus literally grew up together. John the Baptist leaped for joy when Jesus was in his presence, even though they were both in utero. And when they had grown up, John the Baptist baptized Jesus. Other prophets and priests were in the cities, but John the Baptist was out in the country, in the wilderness, and the people came to him. John the Baptist was special. He had really done his homework. He had read all there was to read, heard all there was to hear about the coming of the Messiah and the Jewish understanding of Messiah. And Jesus was not really fulfilling John's expectations. John was proclaiming that the Messiah would come in retribution and judgment that would be swift, certain, and severe. In Matthew we hear John the Baptist say, His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor and will gather his wheat into the granary. But the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire.
Jesus seems to be using a, a different script or at least doing things in a different order than John the Baptist expected. This is from Isaiah, chapter 35. Say to those who are of a fearful heart, Be strong, do not fear, here is your God. He will come with vengeance, with terrible recompense. He will come and save you. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened, and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then the lame shall leap like a deer, and the tongue of the speechless sing for joy. It's not working out that way for John the Baptist. He's languishing in Herod's prison. And so he does what smart kids in the class usually do when what they have studied doesn't line up with real life. He asks the question, are you the one who is to come or are we to wait for another? Now, we think we would never ask that question. But when we are in prison, when the divorce papers or the termination notice or the medical diagnosis comes to us, when we find that it seems the sun is shining on everyone else and all we see is a, a glimpse of a shadow in our cell, th then we too want to ask that same question. Jesus doesn't seem to be doing what we wanted him to do, doesn't seem to be as close or as present as we had hoped. We often think this time of doubt is something of a negative, as if an occasional doubt is better than all fired certainty. But John the Baptist sees things the same way we do. He sees and he questions the same things that we do. Evil still exists and flourishes. John the Baptist is in Herod's prison and Herod's and innumerable Herod's after that Herod have continued to rule. It seems as if the world is mocking the psalmist. The Lord watches over the strangers. He upholds the orphan and the widow. But the way of the wicked he brings to ruin. I don't know about you, but it seems to me that the wicked in this world are getting along quite well. And then there's the fact that Jesus seems rather random or tardy in his ministrations. He heals a bent-over woman who never asked to be healed, never professed any faith, nor did anyone even solicit Jesus' help. And yet he leaves his cousin, his best friend, his most faithful prophet to languish in Herod's dungeon. The psalmist seems to have got this part right. The Lord brings the counsel of the nations to nothing. He frustrates the plans of the peoples. Jesus knows that we might be frustrated too. 
And blessed, he said, is anyone who takes no offense at me. The word offense is the word from which we get scandal. There was a time when people were tainted by scandal. Other people would fall away, would leave them. They would be isolated, chastised. But Jesus says, blessed are those who do not fall away, who do not lose their faith. When John receives the answer that Jesus sends back, we hear nothing more from him. Nature and scripture readers abhor a vacuum. And so we often try to fill that space wondering what John the Baptist was thinking, how he reacted to this. Was he angry or disappointed? How did he feel being left there in Herod's prison? I suspect when we do this, mostly what we're doing is projecting our feelings upon him. I'm going to suggest that John got the answer he wanted. He is the smartest kid in the room. To mildly adapt a Christmas hymn, he is the offspring of a barren womb. He was born to a mother theretofore barren and well past her childbearing years. In Jewish literature, that's a sign of divine intervention. John the Baptist was literally born into his work as a prophet for Jesus. And he recognized the language of the fulfillment of the prophet Isaiah. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then the lame shall leap like a deer and the tongue of the speechless sing for joy. John sees in that, as I think we should, Jesus' indirect admission that not everything is going to go John the Baptist's way or your way or mine. But everything will go according to God's plan. And John also noticed that the verb tense had changed from future tense. The, the eyes of the, of the blind shall be open. The lame shall leap like a deer to the present. The present tense. The blind receive. The lame walk. Jesus Words are being fulfilled as he speaks, as we listen, as we live, as we participate. The question is still the same, and so is the answer. Go and tell John what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the poor have good news brought to them. And blessed is anyone who takes no offense at me. Thanks be to God. Amen.